This episode of The Call Sheet is brought to you by Plot Devices. Creators of the Story Clock Notebook. You've probably got a lot of cool story ideas because you are a genius. But turning your ideas into actual stories can be a frustrating and lonely process. That's why Plot Devices created the Story Clock Notebook. It's purpose-built for breaking and outlining stories using the simple method of visualizing your story like a clock. Whether you're writing a screenplay, blog post, or ransom note, learn more about how to make writing less gross at plotdevices.co. That's plotdevices.co. .co and get 20% off your first order with the code DIRECTOR20. Welcome to another episode of The Call Sheet. I'm a filmmaker and your host, AJ Wedding, scouring my old call sheets for guests from the film and television industry. Today we're talking to director Mike Karen from Nickelodeon's Henry Danger. Mike, I wanted to bring you on today to talk about your multi-hyphenate career, your trajectory, and, and really just how you got started. Where I started, uh, it's funny because we always, I think you and I talked last time, there's, Hollywood is such a non-linear business. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's not like corporate America or it seems to me where like you go, you know, you start in a mailroom and then A leads to B and B leads to C. Here, you can go from mailroom to executive producer, you can go back to the mailroom for all, you know, and then all of a sudden you, you look this part and next thing you know, you're a double. In the, so it just, it's so nonlinear. So it's, it's always fascinating seeing where people come from. Uh, I came from St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, the day I graduated from college, I packed the proverbial U-Haul and put it behind my Toyota and across the country I came. You just knew you wanted to be in the film industry. I did. I did. I was, I, I think, um, you know, my whole path was I was five and a half years old when Star Wars came out in 77. I was born in 71. And, uh, and my whole, everything just went, it just, everything went, and then turn, and my childhood went that way. You know, it came all about Luke Skywalker and movies and, and the sci-fi and, and just all that stuff. So I came out here to act, believe it or not. And so that's how my path got here. When I landed, I did the, uh, the usual, somehow managed to find an agent and uh, booked uh, a Young and a Restless gig. I was on a soap opera for a couple of years. Um, not like the main character, but I was a friend of the, of the main character, which was almost even better because you were always just kind of there when he was doing his thing and you always kind of delivered the exposition. And more importantly, it kept me from, you know, having to work in the bookstore and- Oh, Yeah. It's a money oh, for the first it's, time. it's in the industry. I mean, you call know? it what you want. It's that's fantastic. Oh, just to have some, just to have some bucks, and then from that, just like little bitty, little bitty roles here and there. Nothing too big to brag about. When you first walk on a soundstage, you're you're just so overwhelmed by everything because you're you you're you know you're trained to be an actor, so that's what you you don't you're not paying attention to all the other stuff happening around you. You're just so concentrated on you know make sure you look good. You're going to say what you're supposed to say, and but it wasn't until about. About three or four years after being a part of it that I started going, okay, so that guy does that, and that lady does, what does she do? Oh, she does that. And so I started kind of wrapping my head around what would it be like to be on that side of the camera? And, you know, and as I drifted into my late 20s, um, I had met my wife, and I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to be Tom Cruise, and I'm not going to be, you know, the next whatever. So how do I, but how do I still feed that creative, you know, passion? And speaking of passions, I worked on a soap opera called Passions. And, um, and one of the producers on that show uh, worked also at Young and the Restless. And to bring it all around, I was just working in the warehouse. Just trying, I just got this just little job just trying to, you know, just get by and figure things out. And one of the stage managers um, got fired. So um, they wanted to hire from within, and they thought I'd be a good fit because of the fact that, oh, well, you know, he acted on a soap and everything else. So all of a sudden... Into the Directors Guild of America, I went. And <laughs> wow. standing on his stage and, you know, for the very first time, really looking at it from the other side. And soap operas are incredible. I mean, if you can, if anyone can act on them, if you can direct on them, produce on them, it's boot camp. It is down and dirty. You've just got to get the product done. So you just learn all these different techniques of, you know, what, what it takes to actually move things forward. What did you go through on a daily basis as what, stage manager? Stage or? manager. That's okay. what you're officially called. As a stage manager, which was, which was great about it was you were it on stage. Everyone else is in the booth. It's, it was back then, it was still very booth-based. So the director was in a booth. Kind of like theater, almost. It is, exactly like theater. That's why stage manager is basically a first AD. That's what it was. That's, that's what I was doing, but, you know, the DGA kind of, everyone classifies all their stuff kind of odd. But, totally, totally. But um, stage managers now are more like, kind of like the Oscars and Emmys and stuff like that. 
But you're just standing by yourself out there and everyone's in your ear. So you're wearing your little ComTech and the whole world, the whole booth, there's not one singular director's in your ear, the, the AD's in your ear, all the producers, anyone that's visiting the producers, the whole world's in your ear. And you know, a lot of these, you know, keeping it real, a lot of these just very old school directors, they're not going anywhere, they're not leaving that booth, you know, they're just talking over the loudspeaker. Okay, uh, let's, you know, or in my ear, telling them what to do. So I would get all the actors on the set. I would, based on the blocking in the morning, I'd get them placed on out. You know, if we need to do a really rough rehearsal, I'd let them run the lines real quick. And then we were off and running. And basically any note that the director had, I had to give the actor, which again was really helpful for the first time having to give notes to actors. You know, here's the booth. Oh, God damn it. Tell, go in there, tell AJ for Christ's sakes, like, this isn't a sob fest. Tell him I need a little more you know, whatever. And I'd be like, okay, copy. I'd walk up to AJ and be like, hey, AJ, how are you? Hey, listen, can you do mine? Just bring it back a little bit. We're not feeling, I don't, it's, I think that it, you're getting so emotional about it that we're, we're losing the words and we're not getting what we really need to hear. You know, and oh, okay, great. Thanks, Mike. Okay, yeah. And I walk away like, oh, Jesus. You know, I mean, you know, director's like, yeah, okay, yeah, it sounded good. Okay, let's go. Let's roll. Let's roll. So, you know, you, you got this, you were, um, you had to um, translate. translate and filter all the stuff that was coming from it. But you really have to think about, you know, how you, you know, as a as any type of director in your movies or in my TV shows, really how you how you speak with them and talk with them is, my gosh, it's like ninety percent of the battle, right? I mean, as an actor, there's a level of self consciousness that you have to deal with, and here you are trying to embody a role, and you don't want somebody to come in and tell you how to read a line. You know, you want to feel like you have part of the, you are part of the creative process. Sure. I mean, well, because everyone comes in with their point of view, right? Sure. I mean, you know, especially like say an episodic when like our, we do multi-camera and multi-camera, we have a lot more rehearsal. We have, you know, two to sometimes three days of full stage rehearsal. Just for the audience, just tell them what show you're working on right yeah, now. Yeah. I'm working on a show called Henry Danger um, for Nickelodeon and um, also a show called Game Shakers. Um, it didn't get picked up, but it's there's still a bunch of new episodes coming out in the fall. I want to get back to uh, when you're on the set of Passions and you've got that director in your ear. Uh, take me back there. I like talking to these actors. I like I like the satisfaction of, just what I just said, of, of getting a wrath of shit in my ear and then going, okay, well, out of all that, I know what he's trying to say. And then coming up to an actor and going, okay, this is what we're looking for. And then the actor getting it and then the actor doing it. And that was like the first like seed of like, Ooh, that's creatively really satisfying. Like that, that's, I like this. This is something, you know, I think I, I think, I think this is the way I kind of want to try and do this. And so, um, off of passions, like everything's just a networking thing, but I got this random phone call from a Terry Penske, Terry Lubick now. And she called up and said, Hey, would you, um, passions is done. Do you want to come work on this lovely little kid show on Nickelodeon? And I was like, Sure, multi-camera. You know, I just had my baby, and I always heard the multi-camera because at that point I would do an episodic single camera, and that's you know, that's hard. I mean, that's a lot of hours. That's you know, it's a different lifestyle. Sure. And so I was looking multi-camera. I'm like, wow, you rehearse three days, only shoot two days. Or kids, California State Law, only nine and a half hours. I'm in. And it was a show called Drake and Josh, oh, yes. and that was the beginning of Nickelodeon's uh, Dan Schneider when he created. Uh, I mean. Oh my God, what, every what did, show, What didn't Dan right? do, but, I mean, yeah. but that was back when he was really just starting to take off. All that had just happened. Uh, Zoe was going on, and then Drake and Josh kind of, it really, it probably, it's not, it's hard to say whatever your favorite was, but I, 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 to this day, I still, Josh Peck and Drake Bell are fantastic. Miranda Cosgrove, that whole cast. Sorry, this is another tangent, because I, I agree that Drake and Josh are amazing. But did, did they come out of like a, a sketch comedy show? It was a show called All That. That's right. And I guess the way Dan always told the story was, I, one of his buddies um, was sitting there and they were doing it and Drake and Josh were doing a skit on on all that, I believe. And I think the guy was like, that's your next show. Those two guys just had, ke they just had chemistry. Oh, so great chemistry. Oh, when it works. And, and we'll get into that too. When you're, and then when you're directing that, it's just, it's, it's everything. It's euphorics. I mean, I, yeah. maybe that's too much hyperbole, but I mean, no, it's, it it's is. just like, it's just wonderful. And that's Sometimes what, just watching it is you, I mean, I was, you know, when I was a young buck, <laughs> I was, uh, I was also an actor and yes. I was on Drake and Josh and I was oh, in that's a scene. Right, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I in forgot fact, about that. I don't remember if, I don't, were you there? I, I, I got going in the uh, beginning of the third season. I don't even remember. So I don't, I, it, it all, it all goes together. It was an episode where, uh, I, I was a bully. I mean, we pulled him over on the side of the road and we 
beat them up. Oh, basically. That, I, I, I worked that. No, that was because we shot it outside the. Uh, yeah, right outside, right outside the, the parking, parking lot. lot. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my And, and I think you were the one who came up to me and said, you know, look, I mean, he, look, he was in a car accident, and I mean, he was destroyed in this car. I mean, he was on. Yep painkillers yeah. and we were in rehearsal yeah. he just looked Bad like wreck. he was gonna die i know and he'd been off already for like four months oh yeah I mean, that's yeah because right. we we had to shut down that's right we were this is a lovely hollywood tale because as you know it's like we're hollywood is just working hoes that we are it's all about you know especially an episodic like okay your show just got 20 episodes oh, I mean, stop on the way home you grab champagne you're like honey we're you know we are we this has worked for a year right we're we're sailing you know this it's we're in good shape and um, and Drake and Josh was just a dag. It, it, it picked up for its. I think that was its fourth season. And uh, I remember I took my wife for New Year's Eve. We went down the Temecula to like a winery down there, just celebrating, you know. And driving home, her sister calls her and says, "Hey, is um, is Drake Bell the guy on uh, Mike's show? Is that the Drake and Josh?" And I'm like, and Lori's like, "Well, hang on, Drake. It's Drake Bell, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, Drake Bell." And she's like, "Why? What's up?" She's like, "Well, I just saw in the news he was in a horrible car accident." And so Lori tells me this, my wife, Lori, and I was like, oh, oh my God. Well, is he, you know, is he okay? What's the deal? Well, he's fine, but apparently he really got banged up pretty good. Well, then all of a sudden, you know, my phone started ringing and, you know, long story short, oh my God. you know, we went down for four months and that's just the way it goes. But it's just to give you a sense of, for all you listening out there, Hollywood is just, you lit, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a thin line. These shows, why they, you know, I mean, what can, what can bring them, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, with front of the camera talent, that's. It's everything. everything. I mean, it's just everything. It's the ball game. So, um, you know, you and I could die and they, they probably, Oh, it doesn't you know, matter. No. And, and it's not, and it's not take to, a day off and it's not, but, to, you know, uh, and the quicker you wrap your head around that. Yeah, no, of course. You know, I mean, cause it's just, it's just the way it is. I mean, it's, that's your, and what a crazy amount of pressure for those kids. I mean, I, I hope they're young enough. They just, they don't think about it. Right. Oh, I, well, I think they do. I, I mean, that's another, I mean, working in kid television now for 15 years, that's, these kids, I, I, I marvel at how they, you know, how a 13, 14, 15 year old can deal with oh that pressure. I mean, there's that famous tale where I think it was um, Jackie Cooper started out as a, as a child actor. And, um, and I think one time he wasn't getting a take right or something like that. And the director, I think, walked over and said, Jackie, you see all these people out here? If you don't do this and get this right and, you know, this all works, they don't have they can't put food on their table. They don't get paid. So, you know, I mean, it was, you know, I mean, like, uh, you know, I mean, it's. You know, certainly not. I would, I would have filtered that a little differently. Sure, right. You know, that would have came in my ear. But um, different times. But different, time. different. Yes, different times. But but um. Okay, so you're the AD on Drake and Josh, and yelling at me. And then did you, <laughs> did you start out as a first AD or were you start out uh, as a second? second? And um and uh, fairly quickly got up. Um uh, again, Terry, who I mentioned before, she actually went to start her family and moved back to soap operas because back because soap operas went through a big. Like in the 80s and 90s, soaps were huge. And like when we did Passions, we were shooting, I mean, literally shooting 16-hour days. I mean, it was out of control. Oh, I believe it, yeah. How much we were shooting. And then the writing kind of came on the wall for soaps, and now they're all very, they're eight and skate. I mean, it's, it's you know, when it's time to go, it's time to go. I mean, they literally pulled the plug. And, um, and so she left on a show called Victorious, and then I just moved up to first. I was just the next guy in line. Nice. And, um, and then just stayed. I mean, you know, through, you know, Dan was kind enough to keep me there and and you know victorious happened sam and cat and then you know just the train just kind of kept rolling okay so at what point were you standing on set as the first ad and a light fell on the director's head and killed him so that you could take <laughs> over um I, it's uh i didn't cut the light by the way i had nothing to do with it that was not me <laughs> of I'll course never, i'll never no. own it just i have i'll to, never tell anyone I was that just i trying did to it. guide him over Whoops. to the spot so we could see better and <laughs> It took me a little while to finally get that, I guess just the courage, you know, just to, to, you know, to go to Dan and go, I think I can, I can do this. I want to, I want a shot, you know? Absolutely. And uh, my shot came on Henry Danger and, um, in its first season. And, uh, it's hard to describe, you know, I'd like to hear your, your take on this too. Your, your first time. Because as a director, and you and I have said this before, you're 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 in the you're in the middle of the storm, right? It's all blowing around you like crazy. Everyone's different needs and wants, but it's all just swirling about you. And hopefully your ads are good and helping you. And but certainly at the end of the day, you still it all is going to come. The buck stops with you, right? And I do remember, you know, as a first ad, I, I was very I'm very skilled at multitasking, 
but as a director, you know, that first time stepping out there and <laughs> all these faces come up to you. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, having to change your mindset and maybe your voice and how you're speaking to somebody, uh, based on, you know, who you're speaking oh, to, what yes. department it well, is. Well, I think we were talking, it's like, it's, it's a mask, but you know, what's interesting is that's, but that's all part of the game, you know, and yeah. it's, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a relationship. And whenever you're speaking to a department head, you know, their thing is the most important thing on the planet. And you need to make sure that they feel that you are respecting what they do. And you also have to know how to communicate with them to the point where you can get what you want, but also, you you know, the overall plan of making sure you move at the correct speed to make your day. You know, that's of course where the AD comes in sometimes as well uh, to help facilitate that. But I agree. I mean, it's, it's like having several relationships that you're having to manage moment to moment. And it also, as I always say, whatever goggles, like sometimes like set dressers goggles, like I always joke with our set dresser on set, Rick Cohen, I'll tell him, I'd love to look at the set through your eyes because he's looking at it. Like we're in this beautiful hotel right now with awesome furniture and great stuff. He would look at it like he would see the guitar over there and be like, mm, "Just it's it's, a little, it's not even with that TV set." I don't. I it never even occurred to me. But through his goggles, that's exactly what he's seeing. Wardrobe's looking at you, going, "Okay, your t- your T-shirt's not tucked," or makeup seeing, you know, "Oh wait, a minute, Mike's got a weird eyebrow." Thanks for calling me out, by the way. No, well, I just meant your t- it's just hanging out a little bit. That's all right. You know, it's, it's cool. You don't tuck things in anymore. No, that's true. I don't know. I, I don't know what anybody. Does I anymore. boy, no kidding. That's that's actually the goal. Well, it, uh, if I may bring us back around, then take us to kids' television. Yes, bring us back to kids' television because uh, you were just about to get that that first opportunity on Henry Danger as a director, and how did how did you do it, and how did it go? So I went in and basically I I asked for a meeting with uh, with uh, Mr. Schneider, and uh, he took it, and I just said, look, I, you know, I've, obviously you know me, I've been around a long time, and I I think this is something I can do well for you. I know your style. I know what you like, and I think I can... You've been a part of the system already. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too. A lot of showrunners, um, writers especially, they, they all have their own brand. I mean, it's, you know, in their point of view. And you'd be remiss in, in not honoring that. Why wouldn't you honor that? Dan Schneider knows very well what he's doing. He's got several shows on television. You're not there to reinvent the wheel. You're there to serve his vision. And... That's all any showrunner could ask for. You know, directors, you know, we're here to, like I said, to honor the material, to, to make it look good, to, you know, get the best performance out of the actors that you can get. So here we are at uh, the stages and you're walking in for the first day as director on Henry Danger. Tell me what that was like. That first week I directed, again, I came on stage and uh, everyone, had a, everyone had a T-shirt on. Um, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan and uh, everyone had a black t-shirt on that on the front of it had um, the Cardinal logo and on the back of it, it had team Karen oh, um, gosh. and wow. and everybody was wearing it. Oh my and, God. and even the EP ran down. She's like, did I miss it? Did I miss it? And she had that shirt on and you just, um, you were dying, crying. Oh, you, I, a mess. and I think like for anyone else, it, it took me a little bit to, to change my mask. You know, I remember I came in, I, when I went in that day, I, I made a point to like, you know, wear, you know, an Oxford shirt and I made sure to wear, you know, nicer, just in, even in my own head, just trying to change my sure. persona, my persona, sure. just like, okay, here's, you know, here's Mike as a different whatever. And, uh, and the cast, you know, I mean, they gave me some good natured ribs and stuff like that. But, um, but once you're into the work, there's just not a lot of time. Sure. Generally speaking, you know, kids from eight years old to 15 years old can work nine and a half hours, 16 and 17 or 10 and a half. But that's the, that's the real age that most of the kids you work with. And that nine and a half, it's a big clock that's on their chest when they walk in, <laughs> when they walk in at, you know, eight o'clock, I mean, exactly right at five 30, they're walking out that door. That's the law, Jack. That is the <laughs> state law. There is no, you know, old, you know, wheeling and dealing. So, and you figure a half hour, that's lunch. You know, hour of its hair and makeup, you know, I mean, breaks, this and that. So, I mean, it's, you're moving. So, um, the machine's the machine, you know, you know, it's Monday, the table read, the table read was funny because I remember I was nervous. I mean, I you know, my heart was like thumping because it's one thing, you know, it's like anything else. It's like one thing. I mean, I have watched up until that point, I've probably watched 450 table reads, you know, at least, <laughs> at least in my career going through as an AD before I directed. 
And then you're sitting there, boy, it's just, it's just different. You know, I mean, the proverbial walk up, you know, a mile in someone else's shoes. (laughs) And, uh, I, I remember when I first did it, I was, I was very loud. I remember I could feel myself talking very loud and I think just trying to overcome whatever. And, uh, and finally kind of settled in and, and took it from there. But it was the moment on stage to ask your, to answer your question. The first time when I said, what you don't realize is actors, they'll come with a point of view. You know, I mean, they're, they, and they know, especially in episode, they know their characters. I'm not going to tell them anything they don't know about their character. But a big thing is blocking, 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 blocking. <laughs> and it is, it is the proverbial, you walk out there and they just look at you and they're like, okay, um, where do you want me to go? Right. And you're like, uh, okay. Uh, hmm. Okay. (laughs) Well, when I was home and I drew up like my football coach, my X's and O's, and I had my little Legos out and I was like, this is going to be a great two shot and a three shot. I had you stand there. Why why would I walk over there? I never am over there. Oh yeah. Well, um, well, how about on this line? You, you, you cross on this line, right? You you go over to Schwaz and you say, Hey Schwaz, no, I don't, I, I wouldn't cross on that. I think I'd be, and you're like, and then you start to sweat. You, you prepare so much. Like, cause that's why, I, and I still do it. I still, it's a, you have to, I mean, you have to, but you know, showing up on sets, a whole other, what I have learned, yeah. you have this nice moment where you kind of let that go. And, and it's what you said the other day, we had a nice, uh, had some drinks the other day and you said, I always give an actor their first take. And I, that resonated huge with me because I think about that. It's, what I've, and I kind of have done that even before we talked where I would we'd get to a scene, I'd be like, okay, let's just run it once. And everyone just kind of go where you're going to go and let, let's see. What I, and another good friend of mine, another director, Russ Reinsold, had a, he, he likes to give them where they, where they should go. He's like, look, I think all roads lead to, certainly you guys are going to, you have to come over to the desk because you got to see the monitor and work to control. So by these lines, I'd like you over here. By this point, I think you should be over here and let's see how that goes and action. And it's a, it's a great organic way. You still have some direction, you know, and you're still kind of leading the horse to water, if you will, you know, for your, the way your shots were in your head. But you're not, you're not uh, you know, you go here, you go here, you go here. What I always say is it's not a director's job to have all the answers. It's only your job to recognize the right answers. I, that's actually, and you know what? It's funny, you know, it, it, you know, it takes a village. Sometimes they come from the most, the craziest sources, don't they? Of course. I mean, we have a brilliant prop master on our show, Mark Kelly, who, who just in his own, he would just, cause you know, a lot of people, you know, you're, you're so in the fire yeah. and you know, cause you're, you know, things are happening and flying around and, and all of a sudden, you know, Mark come up and be like, you know, I mean, what if we just kind of want to, you know, or whatever it was and you'd be, oh, oh, oh. And it worked, you know, I mean, the fact that you are open to hearing that from someone else that that just tells me what a great director you are, because making films, television, whatever it is, it's a team process. Most people would not do that just out of sheer ego. Oh, they would not let the prop look. The prop master is not the director. They may have a great idea that doesn't make them the director. No, they're the prop master. You're the director. (laughs) Like it's your job to see all the right answers, not to have them. I learned that early on. That was a big thing for me as a first, um, because as a while the you know, because I, I would have a little more leeway to be more you know trenches that way, and in hearing the different ideas, and I think that was a good beginning to recognizing, because I think it is. I think it's very much an ego thing, especially young directors, because you you want to you just you extremely make your emotionally connected yeah. to it. I mean, this this happens with writers too. I mean, you know, if you've only written a few things, you know. If somebody gives you a note that, oh, well, this would be better if uh, this guy died in the third act. It's like, what? You don't know my script? This is something I've poured over for months. But somebody who's written, you know, seven or eight screenplays is like, yeah, what, what do you think? What do you really what do you really think? Because in essence, there are a hundred options. It's interesting. I think some of the, the greatest moments in, in cinema are even... Or even stuff that I, you know, it's funny. My, what I look back on my episodes and I go, oh, that's that, that's a cool moment. Like we had this episode um, where we did this thing where the guys were fighting this villain, and um, and when they got done, they needed to tag team them out. Like I think Jace was kicking the guy's butt, and then it was like, all right, I'm gonna bring the other hero in, and we we, we kind of play with it. Like okay, maybe you know they were slapping hands, or you know how do you do it? And I was like, you know, try 
just try this. There's this great thing from Top Gun with Tom Cruise and you know Anthony Edwards. You know the you know the the, the smack smack exactly. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And they did it and it worked. And honestly, God, I just saw my cut the other uh, about two weeks ago. And for me, satisfying wise, it's like one of the greatest parts of the episode. It'll probably fly over half the people's heads. Well, but that's the thing is, it but, won't. The, the parents will get it and they'll laugh. Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing. Right, and the kids will be like, what? But I think that's that's part of the the in the trenches with the actors yeah. stuff. That and that's why rehearsal is always satisfying and important. And sure. it's really cool how sometimes those things come out of it. None of it was scripted. None of it was ever thought about, but just in the moment. Moments like that are just what filmmaking is all about. It's that creative collaboration. Well, there's this great thing that uh, Dan, again, um, with all of his shows, um, he had this big thing with, uh, it's called stay in the play, stay in the play. And uh, meaning that I don't care if the, you know, like we were laughing over the soaps, the wall shakes or falls down or whatever, but it doesn't matter. Stay, like he would just, you know, just tell the actors, please, I'm begging you, stay in the play because you never know what could happen out of it. And there was this one thing on, um, this one comes to mind, but on Victorious, the kids were in a, I think a supermarket going through, I think ice cream or I can't remember all the details, but it was one of the funniest gut laughing things I've ever seen because they took it out, it dropped, it fell, it spilled. And they, and all of them stayed in They're like, well, give it here. And then it, it slipped. I mean, and I mean, everyone was just crying laughing when it was over. Dan goes, that's going on TV. And that's why. And, yeah. and, and, and that's why I just beat on, stay in the play, stay in the play. Are you uh, methodical in your approach? Are you uh, OCD in your, I find myself, I'll, I'll print it out. I, I'll put it in my binder. I'll, I'll get it all. <laughs> you know, I get all my stuff set up. I'm a very, um, you know, weird that way. I, I make, make it so that people can see you did your homework. Well, of course. Well, yeah, 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 you got a bullshit. Of course. I mean, you, know. yeah. <laughs> you want the actors to feel like they know, you know, you did what you did. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I didn't, um, we did an episode of Henry Danger that was um, a parody of Risky Business. Oh, yeah. Believe it or not. I had to, for the first time in my life, I had to storyboard what Dan wanted with what uh, Henry was doing versus what Tom Cruise was doing in the movie. Sure. And, um, yeah, you know, the way he kind of, you know, I have this dream and, you know, the way he comes off the bike and the officer, and obviously we don't have those, those production values in the show, but how we translate them into our universe. And, uh, that was a lot of fun for me. I, 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 you know, I was making my own little stick figures and camera setups. And that was, like I said, your Instagram post today with the, um, with the storyboards was mind blowing. <laughs> I mean, it is, I mean, I, I won't lie. I mean, it's just, it's mind blowing. I, I just, well, uh, people just have no idea. People, yeah. People don't think about what goes well, into and as much as in a movie that we made, this is a movie we were trying to make. So. Well, as much as you and I have talked about like the organic process, you're talking about these actors at the end of the day, it's still, it's a process. I mean, yes. th these are There's not a technical aspect to it that you as a yeah. director have to keep in mind because you have to hide the technical aspect to the actor. That's all oh, right. It's, it's like, that's you, another podcast, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like you, you, you're doing all of this technical stuff and then you're doing all of this emotional uh, character rooted stuff and you have to do them at the same time, but you can't show your hand to either group. Nope. Right. Nope. And that's the You're real the juggle of, of a director is to find that balance of, Oh, I know how I'm talking to you now. So now I have this face on. Now I it, actors talking with directors. Um, you don't want sunshine blown up your butt. Of course. Um, but one of the actors in our show, um, wonderful actor named Michael Cohen. I'm trying to name drop as much as I can because all these people no, that's great. are so good I at what that. they do. I just, yeah. I feel like I just want to you know, sing their praises. <laughs> Michael one time told me, he goes, I love a director that has my back. And I went, I has your back. He's like, yeah, has my back. You know, because I think what to his point was just what we were saying. I think sometimes um, for any of us, like Michael might be like, I got this great idea. I'm going to go here, blah, blah, blah. And instead of me going, oh my God, Michael, that's brilliant. That is just brilliant. Yes, that's just wonderful. You know what I mean? And I'm sitting there in a corner right. like crying. And then you like, blame oh, him later and you're right, like, exactly, oh, right. he, he you want to do it. Like, well, who directed yeah. this shit? What was my, Michael's idea? <laughs> um, but I, but I, again, I took that to heart. Like, have your back. That's, that's actually... Because it's what you just said, the relationship between director and actor. I do think sometimes directors and actors do have that relationship where sure. you there's got to be an honesty there mm -hmm. with each other or else a lot of it, you are just slinging a bunch of crap, you know? I mean, Yeah, I mean, it sort of depends on the actor as far as how far you can take that. And, and they're relying on you. Like it says, they want somebody who has their back. They're yeah. relying on you 
to know from your experience as a director and as a first AD and as everything else you've done because they've only ever been on that side of the camera. That's exactly right. They yeah. think they know, but you yeah. really know. And so that's your job is to go, yeah, that was cool, but nope, you know, or <laughs> well, whatever. What were you going to say? I was like, when I asked you, I'm like, are we videoing this? No, because I, oh my God, the way I look on camera, the way my voice sounds. Actors always act, or young actors particularly, because especially working in kids are always like, well, what, you know, what do you recommend I do? And I'm like, get yourself on camera. Get yeah. yourself on camera. Know what you look like. Know what you sound like. I mean, it's yes. just huge, you know, to understand. Finding that good mix of what to give an actor. It's so it's so hard because acting is one of those like it's like a breakable glass that you know, oh. if it's it's on the edge of the bar and you just if you touch it too far, it's gone. Oh, there 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 are these thin moments, especially comedy. And yes. to talk about what you and I were saying too, with when you have like back to Drake and Josh, mm-hmm. or on Henry Danger right now, Cooper, uh, Cooper Barnes and Jace Norman, they the these teams, if you will, um, comedy teams are just are just you know I mean they got the chemistry. The yeah, yeah. chemistry is it's just unbelievable. Oh. I mean, like back in the day, you tell Drake and Josh, you just kind of let it, and that's the beauty about multi camera with the four incredible. cameras. I mean, they were incredible. just amazing. And Cooper and Jace have this thing. We we did this this scene where they were sitting in, um, in a car. They I, I can't remember all, I can't remember exactly, but I think the man van was broken. They had to, they had to take this little car. <laughs> so these two superheroes are singing this little car, and they just start you know ribbing each other and they start arguing and everything. And I think for about the first ten seconds they were on script, and then the next two and a half they were off. But the next two and a half were just gold. But the only way that happens is is to be able to listen to what the other actor is saying. It's so important. This is more like an acting class, but yeah. you know, especially in an improv situation or whatever, you, you got to be listening. That's the only way you stay in it. Yeah. It's the only way you stay in it. And then when you have that chemistry that they do, it just, oh my gosh, it just takes off. And it's not replicated. That's what's so... That, no, that's, that's the life you're trying to get yes. to. Yeah. And so once that scene was done, it was like, walk away. We're done. You can never <laughs> yeah. do any, you know, only one take goes on camera. Well, and by the, I, I didn't want to say that actors are fragile in what I was saying. I want to say that getting to that very fragile moment oh, yes. is so difficult that you can easily push the glass off of the bar and like... Well, that's the difference between holding a statue, right? You know, I like to thank the Academy. That's the difference between yes. the show going, you know, 12 seasons versus it's it's gone in one. It's it's In kids TV, everything that we've talked about is being shoved into nine and a half hours. Yeah. All the production value, all the, the takes, all the, you name it, lunch, makeup, hair, everything is all shoved into this, into this time. So what happens is you really do become, I mean, seconds count, minutes count. You become you, you, the ownership of these minutes. So what happens is you'll know, like I'll, I'll in the back of my head, I know I've got 12 minutes. And, and, and literally, I know it's 12 minutes. Maybe it's 11 minutes, 45 seconds. But I know it's in my, especially coming from a first background. I'm so, I was going to say, do you think it's because of that? I think so. I think very much. But it serves me well. And, sure. I, and I think it for this reason, because I, I very much know what else I need to get and what the time I have to get it. So I know I've got the whole scene run at least two or three times. So I got 12 minutes left. So I want to go. Now I know after seeing it, I know... Coop, Jace, Riel, any one of them could do. So let's focus on that. I want to do another take. Let's take it from this line because I think there's something more to be had there. Okay, we got six minutes. Got it. Okay, I'll put the camera on Coop now because I think this is, the, you know, you 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 become this incredible time manager of, but but it's what you're saying. There are these minute moments. All you need is 30 seconds. Right. But it's not like you have an hour to get 30 seconds. You literally have 30 seconds to get 30 seconds. But sometimes when it happens, sometimes that's the oh, that's my. the best. Sometimes yes. because you, people are under the gun and they know it and yep. they get it because they're you yeah. Know, you know, I think I think that's um, I think your work as a first AD has served you well as a director because I think a lot of directors they don't think about time. I need to stay like I, I want to make sure that it's as efficient as possible so that when I need that moment. Uh, that's, I can try to get it. That's it, you know. Yeah. And also, and it's and not even, you know, that's that's kid time. But I think to your point, too, with actors, or adult actors, where maybe the time isn't so specific, you know, it's not state law. <laughs> and this is one thing I always say, because I was an actor, you were an actor, and then coming on the other side of it. You know, it is, I completely understand the monotony sometimes of sure. the 12 take 
thing because of and a lot of times you're doing our take because maybe it just didn't look right or the walls shook or whatever it may Boom be was in the shot yeah whatever. exactly and i get them going oh jesus i just gave my you know that was my oscar and you mean to tell me that the clock was wrong uh, but that's it i mean that's their cross to bear too sometimes you know i mean it's just it's all part of the, uh, the business like you say you can't you can't fake any of it of course so the, the, every the take, audience will see it, it, yeah. it Bingo. So every take lives into itself. And so as a director, you're so emotionally invested in, in what it may be. And there are certain takes and, and only because you're so vested. It's like you said, like a, like a painter. Like if I paint a wall, I can look at that wall. Again, what goggles you're looking at. I can tell you, oh, I messed up that thing. I didn't do the trim right. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so director, you're the exact same way. When you're, you're, your shot is framed and you're looking at it. And, you know, the performance obviously is king, but there's other things that it work there, especially in this day and age with the green screen, the special effects. I mean, black frames matter. Oh, yeah. No one knows it like you do. Of course. And that's the, that's the, that's the, the hardest because part. Because you're the only one who really has the, you, you have the memory of all of the different oh, takes. Yes. Right? Yes, absolutely you do. And that's why it's so, why it's so important. I do believe that's why, you know, the, the DGA and everything else, the director's cut is so important. Because there's there's this there's things in your head that the read the reason you did what you did and everything else that that maybe an editor who's just sort of slapping it together at that particular moment or whatever it may be they just don't know sure and then you know when you get access to, to work with them and do what you need to do that's why editing is so important absolutely for for a director how know? long is the editing process for a three camera it's a uh, four. four it's camera. uh it's it's quicker than you think it's a it's a quick turnaround usually most sitcoms turn over in about six weeks okay the biggest difference between single camera and multi-camera is at least the way i understand it is single camera you're putting the pieces together it's a puzzle that you as a director are putting together your shots and everything else multi-camera kind of lets it it, it kind of it's like a, it's a theatrical presentation that four cameras are kind of grabbing sure what's happened is the bar's been raised so much just by everything yeah. that you just don't get to like back in, I, I keep saying back in the day, everybody, I'm only 46. Okay. I'm not, I, I feel like I'm, I'm like a 70 year old man going, you know, back in the day, I'm like, good God, I'm not, not that old yet. I'm not, I'm not, I'm getting there, but I'm not that old. But back in the day, you know, cheers or, or Seinfeld, those scenes were just kind of, you know, a live audience, which is the point to sure. get the energy of an audience yeah. and, and the, the stuff. But now the bar has been raised so much, particularly when it comes to special effects and stuff. The ten-year-olds are awfully smart. You know, <laughs> well, they get they, it. They've seen all. They've seen all the Marvel movies. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's in their brain. You they just know. can't. You can't. Um, you know, do a silly. You know, they get it. Yeah. And now with Instagram and everything else with your phone, they they all have a voice, <laughs> which is another interesting thing about our industry that I think is worth talking about here. The the ability for an audience to give. Remember, because like feedback. Yeah. Because like theater was always like, well, that's you did theater because instant you, you got the you, yes. you got the instant feedback. Your performance. You knew if it sucked. You knew if it was great. But now there's a quite an immediacy to your fan base and how you're 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 going about it that I I think is good because it's it's made it more of a a, um, a communal experience. Sure. Yes. But on the other hand, it it compromises, I think, sometimes a little bit of what you're... No, I think I think it does a lot. And, you know, it's one of those things where you say, you know, is it good or bad? I mean, it doesn't really matter. It just is. You know, there's nothing yeah. we can do about it. it that's exists. true. Well, I think that's that's part of the thing, too, is the, the nice thing about negativity is you can go into something with low expectations. Well, that's true, too. Now, there, <laughs> now maybe, there's, maybe there's that, too. I mean, but I, but I wonder if, you know, it's like it's it does, you know, it's the proverbial question, does art exist into a vacuum unto itself? Like, is that the way? Because that's the, that's a theatrical experience, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you know, that's why for years the DGA wouldn't send out their screeners on, um, on our discs because yeah. they didn't want the, a movie was they not supposed to, to be experienced like that. You're yes. supposed to be in a theater in a group setting with a big screen. And I agree. And I agree yeah. too. I, I absolutely do. I mean, you can't watch a movie like uh, saving private Ryan, you know, uh, on your DVD <laughs> on at your home. Phone. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't resonate quite the same way. The reason why I think star Wars resonates so well with kids. Well, the kids who, when we were kids, yeah, because we saw it in a theater. Oh, and so, absolutely. And, and I think that the first time you see something is the time that it has its biggest impact, right? Yep. So if you saw it in a theater and you have the best sound and the best picture and it's bigger than life, the next time you watch it, the sense memory remembers the theater experience, right? Oh, yes. So like, for instance, I saw the first Avengers movie. Oh. I saw that in a theater, oh. 3D, whatever. Like so I don't even good. like 3D, but still, like I was yeah. like, this is amazing. Oh. For a comic book fan oh. to see that shit oh. flying around, 
I was just like in, that in, shot of Thor when Aaron DeForest uh, when when after they just beat when they when they yeah. all when they all stood up and Whedon brought the camera back. Uh, I mean, like to, to orgasmic. A, yes, and most people won't get that unless they're comic book oh, fans. You know, oh my god. But the idea that I was so like I'm having chills right now thinking. Yeah, about don't, it. I, just, I think I got goosebumps it? thinking about it. But. My wife watched the movie separate of me. Okay. She watched it on a plane. Oh. God. On a four-inch screen. Jesus. So, and she was like, that movie was awful. What's oh, my God. You? And you know what? She's right. Yes, he's right. Because she, she didn't see it the way no. that it was meant to be seen. And, and quite honestly, you know, probably barely stereo in her headphones. Oh, sure. And all the distractions and all the... Oh, it's an know. airplane noise and everything yeah. else. And so... And and she'll never have the sense memory of that theater experience. Yeah. And I, I just feel like that is such an important thing. I feel like an old fogey being like, watch the movies in the theater. No. But like it's, but it's true. true. Like certain movies, when you see them in a theater, you'll remember it for the rest of your life. And when you watch Star Wars, again, for the 70th time, you don't know it, but that sense memory is feeding the story. Oh, it's and everything. I mean, that memory that you're talking about, you cling to it. You uh-huh. held it like a like a treasure box in yes. your head. And that's why you you played that way in the woods and why when I was a kid, I would I would do a little... Uh, I, <laughs> I would do... Uh, I, off the comic book, I would do theater presentations of it for the parents in the neighborhood. You know, my sister played <laughs> Princess Leia and I would do... Because because that's all you had because you were just trying to create what you just said, that sense memory of it. Exactly. Because that's all you had. For me, every time I get a script and it says directed by Mike Karen, it is a privilege. Oh. It is... It is a... It's not a right. It is just a privilege that, that somebody believed in me enough to give me quasi-control of what you just said, someone that sat there for days and nights writing and putting this all together and handing it to me. I don't take it lightly. I never have. And I, I think when I when I got into it, I think that's why I was late to the party because I, I recognized that responsibility and it took me a long time to, to believe in myself enough, I suppose, on some level to know that I, I wouldn't F it up, you know? I mean, yeah. and I think for you as well, when you, you know, when you got your award for best director and when you, you know, these things are just, they're these life moments where they're just, they're affirming. They're, I mean, it's, yeah. it's because it's what you want to do. I mean, I, I think about it also from the other side, you know, for the writer handing the script to you with your oh. name on it. Like uh, I remember when we used to shoot film and you used to drop it off at uh, like photo chem. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and so you've got this one. Well, now you just sent it to cloud. Well, yeah. Right. But, but when you had the <laughs> film, you know, and it's not developed, and like, if you open the can, you ruin your life. Oh. Like you ruin your days. Well, how many stories did you hear? These some poor PA, poor oh bastard, God. stopped at Seven Eleven to get a big gulp, left the cans in the back, and they fried them. Oh, oh my God! And that's and, and like I just remember dropping. I, you know, I would have I end up end up at Photochem after hours, and so they don't even have a person there, and I drop off these cans of film oh. with my life oh. in them. And there's a little I sign. wish we were filming this. You'd see how uncomfortable we both know, are right, right now. We're both it's, like wringing our hands like, oh my God, because it's like, I mean, it's, it's. Oh. There's a little sign on the desk that says, just leave the film oh, here. Jesus. You know, it's like, they did, who did, what do they know? They don't oh, know who I am. You have you know? no idea. And it's, and you don't know. They could put it in the wrong chemical. Like it's, oh. it's like, and it's your, it's got to be the same thing for the showrunners to hand yeah. you a script. I mean, eventually, obviously you build up a rapport like you have. Right. And you, you get some trust, but like event, I mean, I understand why it's so hard for me to get my first TV directing job because I wouldn't want to do that for somebody. I mean, here, take my baby and see what you do with it. Like, really? It's something, well, you know what happens too is, and this probably happened to you as well. There's another thing happened to me the first time I, the first episode I directed. I I said earlier that it's one thing the credits roll and all the names are on it. And that's, that's ownership. You, you were, you were a part of it. It is a very, it's a very different thing. I have to say, you know, it, you know, it goes to the credit EP, the supervising producer, producer, the writer, and all of a sudden directed by Mike Karen. Boom. And that moment is like, Whoa, my name's on this thing. You know I mean? You, yeah. it's, it's, um, I, I have to say the first, it's a moment that I still have not let go. I've done almost 20 episodes now of, of um, multi-camera and I've, 
I, I've, please, this is not an ego thing. This no, is not no. a whatever. I, but I've taken a picture of every time it's on and who, and who it's in. I'm talking to this like it's like a person. Like you said, it's a privilege though. It's a privilege. And, um, and those are all to me, I'm not a, I'm not a particularly sentimental guy. I'm really not. I'm a very look forward as opposed to back thinker. But those moments are sentimental to me. It just mattered. I, I, you know, same with you. I mean, when you were sitting with your screenings and, you know, at your festivals and all of a sudden you saw AJ Whiting, you know, directed by at the end. It's just, it's, it's a, which is funny because I also, I made the credits for my movies, (laughs) but it's still, but it's, so is that why the font got so much bigger? I don't understand (laughs) because I saw it and it was like, okay, it was like the quick scroll at the end of like how they do it on TBS. But then all of a sudden it just stopped and it went to a big card and it was 3D and it spun around AJ Wedding. It was craziest thing. I didn't. Yes. I didn't know sound that was... effects. Everything. I was yes. like, "How did that happen? Who did that?" Somehow, it really affected me <laughs> to see my name. I agree. I really you know agree. What? That is why. That is why directors don't do their own cards because we would. We would have like it's like your uh, iMessage, like you know, like the screen theme, balloons flying and firecrackers, and because you feel like that, right? Oh yeah. You know, sometimes it's a it's, it's a, a no, war of attrition. It's a big deal. It, it, yeah. It, because you got through it. I mean, yeah. that's you were the captain, and you got through the voyage. I mean, yeah. that's it. I'll tell you a funny story. I um I was uh, directing an episode called "The Toddler Invasion" on Henry Danger, and it was Sunday night, and you know we, we table read rehearse on Monday, uh, Monday Tuesday we shoot Wednesday Thursday Friday, so um I got my script and I was I was sitting on my deck um in our backyard kind of going through you know the the prints and you're going through your blocking or whatever. So I got all my stuff and I went to bed. I'm like, I got to get up and, you know, five o'clock and, and get back. Well, I'm laying in bed and my hand started just hurting like crazy. Just, just hurt like a, like a source pain on my hand. I was like, you know, God damn, did I bang the damn thing? Did I, you know, what the hell did I do this thing? Whatever this is, stupidity it is, I'm going in the direct. I mean, this is, this is it. So five o'clock, finally, I'm like, oh, fuck. I mean, this is, I, I gotta, I gotta go. I'm just, so whatever. So I get up, I get in the car. I'm driving on the, uh, the the five north in, in Hollywood. I found, I pulled over and just vomited all over to five. I'm like, man, I am done. I mean, what is wrong with me? I finally get to work. It's like 5:45. The set medic, who's always there, I stumble in his office. I'm like, man, Robert, I am. I, he's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I don't, know. I don't know, man. I just, I got something on my hand. I'm, I'm really hurting. He's like, let me see it. He's like, that doesn't look okay. We, you, you need to go to the hospital. I'm like, no, 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 no. I got to direct. So he called the producer. Producer finally came down there. Lynn came down, grabbed me, and off to Burbank Emergency I go. I get to Burbank Emergency. I'm diagnosed. I, Black Widow spider bit me. I guess on my deck. I had no idea, but I, I guess within all my papers and stuff, we have a wood deck and you know behind the house. And I guess somewhere in the midst of it, the damn thing bit me. And so it's, they put me on like this morphine thing. Now, again, mind you, this is like 9 o'clock in the morning. What's happening right now in Burbank is they've made the decision, all right, let's just do the table read. I'm laying there, and all that's coming out of my mouth is, to this day, Lynn will say, I just kept saying, I got to direct, I got to direct, I got to direct. So the nurse, nurse starts giving me morphine. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's kind of nice. I'm like, but just a little bit, because I got to go direct, just a little bit. It hurts like no one's business. So cut to 10 o'clock. They give me the, they give me the venom. They give me this stuff. They give me, anti, they give me oh, my God, muscle relaxers. Uh, they gave me uh, Vicodin. They gave me whatever. And all that's coming out of my mouth is like, I gotta, I gotta get to that studio. God is my witness. By 11 o'clock, I'm back at that studio. They called an early lunch. By noon, I put that baby on its feet and we had to run through at four o'clock. But I guess <laughs> the point of this story is that is the, that's the commitment you feel as a director. As a first AD, well, I would have, my second would have wrote, Robin would have rose up. It would have been, been fine. But as a director, you have such... Uh, ownership and and, well, and you responsibility. Know how valuable that opportunity is. Oh, and well, you don't want to lose. Let's it. not cut corners. Exactly right. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want anyone else coming in and doing this. I remember the last night, like Friday night, we it was like two in the morning, and finally, the, one of our producers, uh, Kim Sherwood, was just like, okay, that's you know, we're done. That's it. You know, and I mean, I I mean, I think I broke down in tears. I was just like, my God, thank you so much, because I called Ubers all week, because I was just so like, you know, couldn't even drive, just couldn't even drive. But um, <laughs> but you do, you you come into it with such a sense of of passion and commitment that it's an emotional experience, it's a mental experience. But you you're you're giving a thousand percent of yourself to do it. You have perspective because it didn't happen for you at a young age. 
where you go, Correct. you know what I mean? Yeah. I know what this is about. It's about family. It's about the group. It's yeah. not about me. It's about what we're making. Well, as a, as especially, a, I mean, speak to your, you know, your experiences. You've been coming through, you know, with some of these film festivals and stuff. I mean, what was that like winning best director at your festival? And I, I mean, I've never, never been called best director. What's that? <laughs> what's that moment like? Is that a. Uh, I mean, it's affirming, of course. I mean, you hear no so many times. You have to celebrate every time you hear yes. Sure. Well, that's a question for you. I mean, we've been yakking about me, but what what is when you, when your when your head hits the pillow? What is it? That, what is it that you you know? What's your? Yeah, I mean, the satisfaction I think mostly comes from uh, making a day. You know, I mean, <laughs> my I mean, making uh, a day means everybody. Just so you're all listening out there, because this is what AJ just said is like, uh, it's something that I've kind of glossed over. But making your day is probably, unfortunately, what a director is made or judged by. You start a day with a specific amount of shot list or scenes and multi camera, and um, if you don't make your day, if the movie wins an Oscar, you're brilliant. If you don't win an Oscar <laughs> and your fired. movie sucks, you're fired. So. <laughs> So what we're, so I think is a good, just is always a, a good thing to remember where you came from and then where you've gotten to and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I, earlier we talked about how I was on, um, stage 11 in the Burbank studio, I worked on that soap opera when I was checking in props, uh, it's called sunset beach. And what the grips did is they built me a, a little box, this little box. I had this little desk in there and I had my little sheets and my little TV and, um, what they did was one day they were like, well, you know, a little house like this, they called it my little house, needs a, needs a step, needs a, you know, a little placemat. So they put these uh, pieces of linoleum, these brown pieces of linoleum, four, 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 or, you know, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. So it made like a little, you know, mat in front of my little house. And so I did that job and then I moved on to CBS Radford where I did Passions. You know, years go by. Well, in all the oddest things where we shoot Henry Danger is stage 11, where I had my little house with my little placemat and so on and so <laughs> forth. So um, one day, um, and, I, and I'd walk by it all the time. I'm like, because the house was gone by this point, obviously. But you know what? Those damn linoleum pieces were still there. So these, these four random things. No way. So our, uh, our lead man on the show, Nae, was um, one time I said, I go, you're not going to believe this, but these four, th these eight linoleum pieces... I had like a little box here. I sat in here, I did props. I go, how funny would that have been? Can you imagine, you know, 12 years ago, if, you know, me, Mike would have tapped then Mike and said, Hey kid, you know, you're going to be directing on that stage one day. I'd have been like, get the fuck, you know, you're crazy. So, um, cut to, <laughs> cut to, I got to the studio one day, the week I was directing and they called me and he's like, Hey, we got something for you. And on this board were those four pieces of linoleum that they, he told me that they were going to, they were going to scrape up and he stopped them. He's like, no, 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 you can't do that. Those are, those are Mike Karen's linoleum pieces. <laughs> like Mike Karen, who, who the hell are you talking about? No, 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 you don't understand. So they took these linoleum pieces and they, and they matted them on a board and they just wrote on each one of the boards, you know, to the dreams of a young man. Ugh. And so I have them on my wall in my office. Being on that stage when you were back then, oh, that meant a lot then to be where you were at that time and to be able to reach back and have someone realize the importance of that journey. I mean, that has oh. to just be, Oh, was one of the most wonderful things I've ever oh. gotten in my life. My first, that's better than an Oscar. That just about does it for this episode of the call sheet. I'm your host, AJ Wedding. You can follow me on Instagram for more information about the call sheet at that director, AJ. See you next time.